Hello and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Our View on the 92 podcast. As always, I'm joined with my co-hosts, Will Furness and Trent Hudson. Will, do you want to say hello? Hello, mate. Yeah, yeah. Good to be here. I think fourth one now. We're getting a bit of a roll, aren't we? Bashing yeah. every week, being consistent. So yeah, excited for this one. Last week was personal. I really enjoyed that. But this week we're getting onto the football. A couple of days away should be good, mate. Excited. Yeah, exactly. Summarising everything I basically wanted to say there. Um, <laughs> or fourth, fourth episode in. Uh, last one was a little bit more personal, but we talk- <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. Sorry about that. It's all right. It's all right. But uh, we're, we're talking about um, the Premier League restart this week, obviously. Trent, do you want to introduce yourself again? Yeah, how are you doing? all doing? I hope everyone's uh, okay. Um, we're blessed to have some two great games on Wednesday, to be fair. Villa, Sheffield United and Manchester City versus Arsenal. All four teams have got quite a lot to play for, I guess. Arsenal... Probably the least out of them all, which is surprising. Um, but yeah, really excited, as we say. And last week's pod was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, it, it was just a little bit of an experiment last week's pod. Just, you know, delving into our experiences with football a little bit more. But this week, we're going to be more on what is a classical Alvion the 92 podcast, I guess. And just talking about English football. The Premier League and the Championship both returning. We'll be touching on both of them in a little bit. Um, but usually before we get into the podcast, we like to have a little chit-chat before. Um, over the last couple of episodes, all we seem to talk about is our haircuts. Um, and I don't really want to talk about, uh, that, about that at the moment for two reasons. One, mine's awful. And two, um, we, we, we've, we've overdone it a little bit. Um, so we're going to move back onto the fact. So the fact that I've got this week for you boys, right, is that only two players in Premier League history have scored hat-tricks with their head. So three goals with their head in one match. Now, I'll give you a fiver, either of you, if you can get both of them. I'll go to you first, Trent. What a stat that is, by the way. Um, I try, I try. I feel like Peter Crouch would be the obvious one to say, but I feel like, I, I don't know if it will be here, but I, I think that's part of the tr- Um I'll, I'll be honest, right? I, if I was guessing, I wouldn't have guessed either of these players. Oh no, that's throwing my guess. I'm gonna go. Know. I'm gonna go for two really random ones. I'm gonna go Dimitar Berbatov. Okay. And Darren Bent. Will have you? You got anything to I, counter? I was, I was gonna say Peter Crouch and Giroud, but now you said that they're not common. I'm gonna go for Robbie Keane and <sighs> Rooney. <laughs> I mean, I'll neither my, of you are right. I'll throw Michael Owen as a final one. <sighs> Even Michael Owen doesn't make it. I'll tell you no, what. I'll embarrass myself more. I'll tell you <laughs> Leave it there. I'll tell you what. I didn't expect either of these. So the first one, Duncan Ferguson for Everton mm-hmm. back in the day against okay. Bolton in 1997. And then more recently, only in 2016, Salomon Rondon for West Brom. Rondon. He was good in the air, to be fair. But he, yeah, he was. He's not a player you really think of. It's got a... Oh, wait. wait was, that, was that a really fast hat-trick? I don't know if it was fast or not, but I do know it was against Swansea in 2016. I seem to remember him scoring a really quick hat-trick. I'm not sure that might not have been the one, but he was... Yeah, really good with his head. So I guess that makes sense. But you never really think of, you never really think of Rondon, would you? No. Nah, like I, I always felt it was a little bit of an underrated striker. But anyway, that um, moved me to think... So that's obviously quite a one-dimensional hat trick. So Will Furness, who is the most one one-dimensional player you think you've ever seen? What one-dimensional player I've ever think I've seen? That is so tough. The first player that comes to mind is a player that I love, and it's Aaron Lennon. I okay. felt like I felt like Aaron Lennon could only do one thing, and that was get the ball and run at the left back. Whether that's a bad thing or a good thing for a right midfielder, you make your mind up. But I will give it to Aaron Lennon just because. 
I don't feel like he had much more to his game rather than attacking that left back. Yeah, that's understandable. He he was just you know that's all he really had to his game. Actually, that's that's a bit harsh on Aaron, but he, oh, he, 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 he was he was very good at that. That's the thing. He was very good at doing that, but he didn't have much more to his game, unfortunately. Mm. Trent. Have you, have you got an answer for that question? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a winger as well, uh, like Will. And I think it's sort of come out more in recent years and at the start of his career. I think Theo Walcott's quite one-dimensional, just his pace. Um, I don't think he's really offered anything at all since being ever. And, you know, he's dropped out the side. I think he's going to struggle to find, not struggle to find his next club, but I couldn't predict where he's going to go next. Um, he's not really set the world alight there. And compared to how good he was when he was younger, what we thought he would be, he's not really done that. I don't want it to be Walcott slander, but I do think of um, him being quite one-dimensional, really. We're going to clip that on the Twitter and send it to Theo. <laughs> We're going to get him on the podcast to defend himself. I'll tell you what, Theo, a player that's come to my mind after saying that is Theo Robinson. Theo Robinson. You know what? My answer for this was actually a South Bend player. It wasn't Theo Robinson, though. It was Jermaine McGlashan. Do you remember? Yeah, well, that's, that's funny because all three of our players have been very pacey wingers that have made it in the game probably just because they are pacey wingers and they haven't really developed their game much more than that. So that's interesting. It's, it's funny that we mentioned four players then and two of them were called Theo. Yeah. What's a one-dimensional name? Uh, he's, he's just no-dimensional. There's oh, no dimensions. Yeah, no. I'm sick of the slander I'm receiving on this podcast, all right? I'm sick of it. I'm a class footballer. Don't let anyone tell you my boys. Oh god! Um, We're going to move on again, right? Because I don't want to talk about that. When we get when we get to a podcast like twenty two or something, when it goes back at uni, we'll just do an episode of us recording off either side, and we'll let the the comments decide. You know, you know what, right? You know what, right? One day I'm going to make a compilation video of like all my skills and flair, and I'm going to put it on YouTube. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to prove you wrong. This video we'll use, this, that, we'll use that as the outro. One day. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, yeah. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll move on to why everyone's here. The Premier League restart. It's back. Finally, we've been waiting for months and months and months, but we're finally going to see the Premier League return, kicking off at Villa Park, where Aston Villa will host Sheffield United. Um, we all thought we're not going to get too much into, into individual games by game, as it could get a little bit boring to listen to. Um, but this is one game I do want to touch on, because I feel like if somebody had uh, told you this fixture at the beginning of the season, you would have said, you know, this could be one to stay up. And that is the case for one club, but for a different club, it's actually if they get Europe or not. So, Trent, do you think Sheffield United will be able to continue that run of form they had uh, before coronavirus hit and potentially push on for a Europa League and maybe a Champions League place? Or do you reckon now uh, we could see them fall back maybe into the championship side they were last season because of the break that um, coronavirus has forced on Sheffield United? You know, that's why it's so interesting. That's it. And it remains to be seen, you know, Sheffield United have had a remarkable season. Um, nobody could have expected to see them do this well in the first season. Um, and it's testament to Chris Wilder and the squad that they're doing this well with this amount of games left. And um, we spoke about it many a time this season that we, we didn't expect them to be up there, but they're playing just so, such great football. I can't believe they bought the model that they had in the Championship to the Premier League. Um, but as you touched on there, it's going to be such an exciting game to, to see if they can bring that form from before lockdown to now. And Villa's going to be a really tough game at this stage of the season because, as you know, like you want to be playing mid-table teams really when it gets to this stage because they're going to be throwing everything at it. But, um, of course, there's going to be no home advantage. And both both teams are good sets of fans. So, you know, normally there'd be that bounce at home or away fans, etc. And there's not going to be that there. But, um, you know, with both teams having so much to play for at this stage of the season, one wanted to stay in and one wanted to do the impossible of trying to make the Champions League it's going to be really exciting I couldn't really call who's going to win that to be honest 
I mean, it is a tough one, especially with the added pressure on Aston Villa. If they win the game, they climb out of the relegation places and it's in their hand. So, Will, could you see a potential upset, uh, potential upset happening? Yeah, 100%. I think this game screams upset for me because we saw the Bundesliga when it, when it first came back and the fitness was next to nothing. So, if we see that potentially happening in the Prem, with the fitness getting low, maybe towards the 70th minute, something like that, who knows what could happen. And especially with the fans, I wrote a piece about the other day about how home advantage was statistically in the Bundesliga as well as just seeing it happen is pretty much tarnished now. Home advantage isn't really a thing with no crowds. So I think, oh, it's, that's tough. Villa Park is usually bouncing. It's, it's one of them ones you just can't call it for me. It's so hard to predict because you just don't know what the condition they're going to be in. You don't know. Because oh, momentum's kind of been stalled as well because I feel like 100 days not playing Villa in a bit of bad form. That doesn't really matter anymore. Sheffield United probably were in good form going into it. That doesn't really matter. So it's so hard, so hard to predict. That's what I mean. Obviously, Villa lost 4-0 just before we broke up. But you know, the amount of time that they've had to, to sort of redeem themselves from that now, every player that gets back onto the pitch after this amount of breaks is going to be fired up and want to start well. It's like restarting the season again. You always want to get off to a, a winning start. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of predictions and people have thought that Sheffield United are going to drop off to around ninth. But I don't think they will, to be fair. I think they'll push Wolves and the other teams all the way. Well, the only reason that I'm actually going to back Sheffield United here is I think Chris Wilder is not an idiot. He would have made sure that whatever it is that the Sheffield United players are keeping their fitness up 100%, whether it's he's tracking their diet or he's just making sure they go on runs or do fitness regimes at home. Either way, I don't think he would have let them slip off because he's so, he's so on it as a manager in general. Whereas, um, I don't know, maybe Dean Smith, the Aston Villa, uh, Aston Villa manager, I mean, he's obviously a great manager, got them promoted and everything, but I just don't think he touches maybe uh, Chris Wilder. So it, it, it will be interesting to see, with not just Aston Villa and Sheffield United, with every Premier League club, the fitness, and if um, the managers in the club have maybe allowed the players to slack off a little bit, just because they didn't think if uh, football was coming back or not. And it's a really interesting point as well. Like, say, it's obviously it's, it's gone slightly now, but like a member of Dean Smith's family passing away during the coronavirus on that. You know, what's the mentality of that when, you, when you're trying to train the players? Of course, it happened with Pep as well um, at Manchester City. And Arteta suffered it with himself. So, you know, obviously the mental side of it for, for Dean Smith and managers as well on that, on that front. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Um, because we are forgetting that you know, these, these managers and these players, football is not going to have been the first thing on their minds. Like probably staying safe, just like, every, um, like everyone else, was probably all that they were thinking about at the time. So it's, it's tough to, I don't know, pinpoint that pressure on them, I guess, to stay fit and stay athletic during a time like lockdown. Um, Will, do you think it's fair that maybe um, fans might expect the exact same football um, as we were left off with um, when the Premier League returns? Yeah, I think it's unrealistic to sort of expect the same standard of football that was played before. You know, we left it in March and that's prime sort of fitness, prime running. Players are probably at their peak physical condition then. And to expect it after 100 days off, I know they've been training on Zoom or they've had a few friendly matches. It's just completely unrealistic. I reckon it'll take three game weeks maybe to get in the full flow of it. But also... Just touching on the point that you guys said about Sheffield United, I could see them slipping up, actually. I could see them falling down a bit. I think their, their campaign, not to diminish it, but it was based on momentum. It was like the start, they started well, 
so we could get Europe and they sort of to base off that. And I feel like with that being completely stalled, I think they could struggle to sort of get things going again and get things churning the way they were. I wouldn't put it past them 100%. I think they're a really, really great side under Wilder. He's a great manager. But I could potentially see them sort of slipping out of that Europe contention. But it's still a great season for them, obviously. It's See, that's where I'd sort of argue that, that that point against Sheffield United. I just think like Arsenal and Tottenham below them, yes, they've got a lot more quality than Sheffield United. That's undeniable. But I feel like them sort of players are expected to be there already, whereas, yes, they were riding on momentum before, but Sheffield United are just... Probably when you think of a team that are as, as a unit in, the, in that league of, of players that have already played with each other for five, six years from League One and Chris Wilder and all the... Being, not that it matters, but they're all from the same nation pretty much. And like I say, they're all so unified as a team. I just look at that and think that that might spur them on that little bit more as well. And how big of an achievement it is for the club, that might push them on to get in that position. But like I say, there's a lot of quality there and a lot of teams in contention with Tottenham and Arsenal below. It's interesting you bring up Tottenham and Arsenal. And Will, it's interesting you bring up that they might fall off because I would have said that one of Sheffield United's main contenders for Champions League or Europa League football is Manchester United at the moment. Now, if, you, if you're putting the two against each other, obviously Manchester United, better finances. But I think Manchester United have a much better squad depth. Whereas you look at Sheffield United and you think they're starting 11 and to an extent their bench is, is good and it, you know, it, it holds its own and it works well as a team. But when you keep going into the depth of the squad, especially when they're going to have to be playing so many games back to back, like two games in a week, pretty much most weeks, Will Sheffield United be able to survive injuries? Will they be able to keep the fitness up? Um, whereas a team like Manchester United, who will have a second team that is sort of good enough to uh, be fielded for a Premier League game, how, how will that affect them? It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I know it's come around as a bit of a running joke about Manchester United fans on Twitter this week about them constantly talking about the uh, the Pogba and Fernandez link up and. I watched uh, some highlights of the... I know it's a very friendly, friendly at the moment, not all these games that are going out being played, but they played um, a, a home and away game against West Brom and Pogba and uh, Fernandez. You could see they were clearly trying to link up a lot. And I think if them two do fire off all cylinders when we restart, that'll be a massive boost for them. You know, two quality players. And Fernandez has been great since he's come in. Um, Pogba, of course, we know the quality he's got, but he needs to shine through and to say it a bit more. But if they can get them two players in midfield linking up to... Rashford and Marshall up front then that's a massive boost in them trying to make top four yeah 100% it'll be really interesting to see how the final table ends actually um, talking about a team that could potentially get Champions League football Tottenham Hotspurs now Will that's, that's your club obviously um, they recently played a friendly against Norwich uh, behind closed doors um, all safe all dandy until after the game they were tested and I think it was the Norwich goalkeeper was tested positive for coronavirus now according to the rules and regulations we were set before uh, Premier League restart that meant that every single staff member and player involved would have to self-isolate for 14 days however the Premier League officials have come out and said this won't be necessary because it was the goalkeeper which meant that social distancing was kept now we're with Tottenham so I'll come to you for this what do you make of this whole scenario um, yeah, in these pods, we've been, we've been, I feel like we're all just criticizing the powers that be, but I feel like I have to continue to do this here because I feel like they've got a date for the Premier League restart and they didn't want anything to sort of hinder that. And I feel like they should have because how can a, how can you social distance in an 11 side match? And if you're a keeper, corners, 
there's always a man on the corner. Surely the players that were marking that keeper are now extremely vulnerable to the virus now. They, they must be. They have to be. So for me, it just feels like they're trying to buy it and pass it, making the rules as they go to sort of get this Premier League restart underway. And Trent, I don't know if I've been harsh, but I'd like to see what you think of it. Yeah, obviously I'm, I'm up to date on the situation in a sense, but I need to be a bit more educated on other elements of it. Like say, obviously I'm sure that the, the goalkeeper was tested before the game. Uh, what, day, what day was the game played? It was a couple of days ago, I think it was Friday or something like that. Yeah, Thursday, Friday. It's whether or not the player was tested before and he wasn't and then he's been tested since and he's, uh, and he's, he's come out negative. Um, because it's, to me, it, it baffled me if the Premier League would restart on that uh, and Tottenham and Norwich be able to play games. Like I so that, that, that what you said there, Theo, the first thing that they said all the time was that if anyone came into contact with them, you'd have to sell fast like 14 days. So if they're already going against that before we've restarted, then it just seems like it's going to be up in air by, by the end of it because it only takes one player to, to do that. But um, yeah, if it came out negative after, I'd, st- I'd see it a bit more, but it'd baffle me if they'd, if they'd want to carry on. Yeah. Been before that. That's I mean, it's, it is, you're right, it's completely strange because I thought the whole point of having however many tests a week for all these individuals when innocent people on the street aren't being tested at all. Um, I, I say innocent, obviously Premier League stars are innocent, but you know what I mean? The, the less fortunate aren't, aren't being tested at all. And then you see Premier League players getting tested three to four times a week individually. Um. <clears throat> to make sure that the Premier League is safe to play. And then when there's a fault found, they say, oh, it doesn't matter, it'll be fine. I just, I think it's completely, it's, it, it's just stupid. I think it's, it's idiotic, the fact that all these regulations have been put in place to try and stop something like this happening. And then when it does happen, you know, we can't really control it, but Tottenham and Norwich shouldn't be able to play their games. I mean, Tottenham's first game is a blockbuster match against Man United, which I'm sure everyone was looking forward to. And Norwich uh, were going to host Southampton. But surely that means now, say, I don't know, Harry Kane or somebody picked it up in the friendly um, while he was on a corner and the keeper came to collect the ball. And now when Norwich play Southampton, I don't know, Danny Ings or somebody gets, gets coronavirus, then what's ha- what happens then when Southampton play whoever they've got next? And then when Tottenham play Man United, somebody from Manchester United gets it. And then it just spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads. The whole thing about social distancing and this whole Premier League being tested thing is that was to stop spreading and to make sure it doesn't happen. And to me, it just seems like they've completely ignored it, which also backs up a point that we said earlier where it was like Premier League restart isn't done with intention to stay safe for anyone. I think it's done to make money and to ha- and so people have something to watch again, which, is, which are reasons for it to start, but not, not necessarily the right one. So I think this this whole thing just really shuns the the Premier League's credibility. If you want my honest opinion on it, like I just I don't understand how they were so what they were preaching about all these tests at the beginning, and now they just completely put it in the bin. Like I say, I'd be interested to see again. I, I, I'm sure it'll come out in the next few days. I'd just be interested to see if were, the keeper was tested before the game, which I'm sure he was for the friendly, and whether he's contracted that after the game and then he's, he's tested positive now. Because I'm sure if that was the reason, that's why the, the Premier League are doing this and he'll have to isolate away from the team. And if he has picked it up in between them few days that they've played, then we haven't really got an issue. Um, but if you know if he's been tested before the game and he's still got it, then whether that's a mixed match in the testing, uh, they've got it wrong. But um, like I say, I, I, 
I'd hope that from from the scenario you said there about Ings and, and Kane, obviously the testing will go forward. It might be easier than that. Uh, but like I say, it could be a snowball effect, as we mentioned a few weeks ago. If one player gets it and it stops this game, stops the next game, the week after, it'd be a bit of a confusing one after a restart. Yeah, definitely. I think that is also a massive reason they've just decided not to stop any games is because they're so set in stone. And this is when the Premier League is restarting. And, you know, Norwich are playing here and Tottenham are playing here and nothing's going to stop that. You know, obviously a lot of planning has gone into restarting the Premier League and something small like this, I'm sure they're just brushing under the carpet. Will, I don't know if you, you share the same opinions or... Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, we I think, the, was it the first podcast we spoke about this um, and the powers that be and the money involved? For me, what speaks volumes the most is uh, League 2 and League 1. I'm not getting onto a bigger issue, but we're here now. So, League 2 and League 1 are not playing on. They're just, they're just doing the playoffs. It's been decided who goes up and who goes down from those leagues, but the Championship and the Premier League are playing. It's just, that just, for me, speaks absolute volumes. The fact that the only reason they're restarting is money. And that, there's not really much more to talk about. It's just, just because of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, a, as Will mentioned, League One there, it's just a topic I want to ask you boys about. Uh, an interesting one. You know, Peterborough, not too far away from me. They're one of the clubs that's really affected. And uh, obviously, Sunderland played a game more than the other teams in playoff contention. So they didn't realistically think they're going to have any chance by points per game. But Wickham uh, Wanderers, they were eighth at the time. They'd been in the playoffs all season. They'd not dropped out of it, apart from the uh, the game before lockdown. So it's only the, the only time they've been out of the playoffs all season. Uh, but they were eighth. And on points per game, they ended up finishing third place. Um, but they were one of the teams that voted against playing on, but they're happy to play in the playoffs. Whether that's right or not, um, you know, like Portsmouth, Ipswich, Sunderland, Peterborough, they were happy to play on the season. But Wickham weren't because they knew they'd get in on points per game. But they're happy to do the playoffs. What do you think of that? Well, I think, I mean, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it's hard to judge because everyone's got a horse in the race, you know what I mean? And obviously, the Wickham chairman, because they, they were top two for a lot of the season. And recently, they just fell out because of terrible form. And that meant that, you know, realistically, they weren't going to continue on and get a playoff place. So he almost saw this coronavirus thing as a blessing in disguise. Potentially, maybe, he might not have, but... I think it's it's harsh to judge them um, on wanting to end the season, but you can you can see the the motives on on why they've done it. I don't know if we'll, if we'll agree. So. Yeah, well, there's obviously there's no doubt, there's no hiding from it. Like teams of, I would say ninety percent of teams are pretty voted for what suits them the best. You'd think, but then I guess Wickham, I don't know, maybe feel maybe he has sort of predicted because they were on a bad run of form, as you said. I mean, I can't comment on what his attentions were. I don't know. But it seems a bit sneaky, doesn't it, from the outside? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I don't, I don't know. We, we've talked about coronavirus so much. So I'm, I'm going to try and move on from it now because I feel like it's, it's, it's all we've really been talking about. Um, obviously, I don't want to get too much into individual fixtures coming up. But I want to ask both of you on a personal level, um, apart from Tottenham, Will, is there a standout game coming, out, uh, coming up soon that you're really looking forward to? Uh, I think City Arsenal, obviously on the first day, that stands out as like a sort of fixture. It's like two giants going at it. I sort of missed that. But to be honest with you, we've Aston Villa Sheffield United. We didn't think about it's a massive game in terms of if both of those teams win. Like if Aston Villa win, that's their game in hand. They've spoke about so much since the restart. You know, this restart's been happening. If they win that, they're out of the relegation zone. Massive. Sheffield United win it. They're in Europe. So that game's got the first two games of that first day. To be honest, if you have massive implications, 
obviously Spurs from a personal point of view, but that's boring to say, so I won't say that. So I'll, I'll go with City Arsenal mainly because it's just the first game where two giants are playing. Trent, apart from City Arsenal, is there anything else that you're looking out for? Well, I'm going to be caved away in here because Mum and Dad will probably get. Well, Dad will probably join me in the room, but I'm going to be watching football by stage because I've got I've got a list really of games that I'm looking forward to. Like say on the, on the restart, uh, Villa, Sheffield United, uh, City Arsenal, two great games. And then the day after on Thursday, we've got. I, I absolutely love watching playoffs, no matter what league they are, just because of the intensity of it. How much teams want to win League Two playoffs on a uh, first leg on the semi final? Sorry, on um, on Thursday. Tottenham, Manchester United on Friday. Uh, Forest are playing on Saturday, as well as uh, Fulham, Brentford early kickoff. So that's quite high stakes for me. I want to see the two teams around us playing against each other, see what they're like, and then obviously the Merseyside derby on Monday. So it's an absolute brilliant five days of football. I'll, I'll be watching most days, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure most football fans will be doing. There's so much football on in the next five. Uh, to seven days it's ridiculous and I can't wait I'm so excited for all of it as you mentioned the playoffs is something we haven't even really touched on uh, but League 2 playoffs happening on Tuesday, Friday and then when um, Saturday, Sunday you've got League 1 playoffs um, Trent I'm going to come to you uh, for this first actually League 2 playoffs and League 1 playoffs give your prediction who's going up um, oh, well Exeter fans will obviously be the be eagle eye on it because they've had a couple of uh, of poor playoff, well, not poor playoff campaigns. They've got to the final, and I can't imagine losing two playoff finals in a row. Um, I think Cheltenham will look really good this year, though, in League Two. So I feel, I feel I'll go Cheltenham for League uh, for League Two. And did you say League One as well? I did, I did. I think Wickham, Wickham will be on a bit of a high. The fact that they've they've snuck in there, um, but I'd actually go with Fleetwood. You know, I think Fleetwood were an unbelievable run before. Uh, they were looking really good. And I think Joey Barton will be able to really get them up for that. Uh, but I think the League One ones will be really good, like, say, Portsmouth and Oxford in there as well. All four teams are on a on a pretty decent run, apart from Wickham. But they had a, they've had they been quite quality all season, so I think it'll be close. Mm. Will, would you agree with Trent's predictions? Or? Um, yeah, playoffs are so hard to call, especially in these times when, like, you don't know about the fitness and stuff like that. But the League One playoffs look really tasty. You know, all four teams, if they go up, it's a kind of story in itself. Fleetwood in the Championship, I mean, what a story. Wickham as well, Oxford, all teams that you wouldn't associate with the Championship and Portsmouth possibly back to the glory days. You know, that sort of storyline could happen. So every single team going up is interesting, so I can't wait for that. I would probably say Portsmouth, based on just the fact that they're probably the biggest team, maybe, you know, they'd have more fans behind them, but then again, not the stadium. So it's just so hard to predict, isn't it, really? But if, if you want, I'll say Portsmouth, and I agree with Trent Cheltenham. Cheltenham have been class all season. Mm, I'm sure yeah. you'll be. Uh, I'm sure you'll be looking at hoping Colchester don't jump out. Uh, jump out of League Two. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say to Phil, what do you think about Colchester? Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed because that's sort of one of the only positive things about going back to League Two. We get the Essex Derby back. Um, <laughs> like that's that's the only positive thing at all. I actually I read an article earlier on the Echo that we Southend could potentially lose up to a million pounds because of this relegation, which. Oh, I'm so scared for next season. But yeah, ho- hopefully Colchester don't get promoted because that'll be one of the only things I'm looking forward to next season. Um, but yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd actually say I would sort of tip Exeter to do it because, you know, they've, the last two seasons or, you know, the last two seasons they've reached the final. They haven't had enough to get promoted. But, you know, third time's the charm. And I'd agree. I think Portsmouth, I think, I don't know. Maybe I am just saying it because they're a big club, but you just feel that they're the team out of all 
the others that will get promoted. They're the biggest name. They sort of got the best set of fans behind them. But I suppose that doesn't really matter when you're going into a playoff final and a playoff semi-final where there are no fans backing you and there's no atmosphere there. But I've, I think I'll just back Portsmouth just to edge it. Um, it's interesting. We'll, we'll move on from League One and League Two to the Championship. Um, obviously, Trent, you'll be looking forward to this quite a bit uh, with yeah. the mighty Nottingham Forest returning. Um, there's quite a few stories going on in the Championship. Obviously, Leeds are looking like, you know, uh, fingers crossed for Leeds fans, that they'll finally be returning to the Premier League. West Brom also looking like they're just going to make that second place. Um, even with the relegation battles, it's looking interesting. <laughs> Carlton um, just just below the relegation line and with their star player Lyle Taylor refusing to sign a contract because of his injury problems. Trent, as sort of the person who will probably follow championship football most religiously on this podcast, I'll come to you. I'll, I'll, is there anything extravagant about the championship that you know you think we could see a twist or return towards the end of the season or do you think it will end how everyone, finish it, how everyone thinks it will end? Um, I, I don't buy the, the thing that Leeds will bottle it again. Obviously, it's, it's been a running joke over years for other fans that Leeds will slip out, but they've been way too good this year. They definitely deserve to, to go up in the top two. Them and West Brom have been by far the best two clubs. Um, I do think West Brom will win the league just from their running. Um, they'll just pip it. And I've seen a couple of videos in training from West Brom and they've looked really sharp. Uh, Dan Garner back from injury is a big addition. Pereira's looked great again. Um but yeah, I think Leeds, them two will go clear. But like I said, there's a big game between Leeds and Fulham in a few weeks, which could seal Leeds' is promotional. But um, And then, like I say, at the bottom, it's massive. Like I say, Lyle Taylor refusing to play. I don't personally agree with that at all. Um, yes, he wants to make his move. But if you've got a contract, you've got to honour it at least until the 30th of June, which playing two or three games for Charlton until the 30th of June could proper propel them out. Like I say, six points separate Stoke in 17th and uh, them in the bottom I think so I really don't agree with that and um, like say teams like Huddersfield doing the Premier League last year it's really close for them like say a couple of results momentum after could slip them down I, I can't call it but with what's going on at Charlton at the minute I, I, they might be the final team for me because uh, Hull have received a boost about all the players that have come back from injury and like say just, just quickly like say all the playoff teams as well uh, QPR in 13th they're only six points out it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Just quickly before I move on to Will, do you think Forrest will hold that playoff place or do you, or can you potentially see them slipping out? Yeah, I think uh, Forrest and Brentford, they've been there. They're, they're both on 60 points in by, in by five points. So I think with them being there all that season, we've had a couple of players come back from injury as well. Um, I think five points is quite a lot. And I remember saying to you boys, all them teams on the outside of the playoffs are quite inconsistent. I can't see them stringing together enough wins to one catch up and then put us out as well but it, like, like I say it remains to be seen but I feel like five points with the games we've got left as well is it, definitely enough I think we might finish fourth or fifth mm, Interesting Will can you see anything happening in the championship or do you reckon it will end how it is? Yeah surprisingly with the championship I can't see too much changing in terms of relegation or promotion really in terms of the top two because I feel like you usually see a trend in the championship of we saw it last year of Aston Villa there's, there's always a form team that kind of rises, just sneaks into playoffs, then wins it. But I feel like I don't think that trend will continue this year, mainly just because I think, as I said before, I think momentum's kind of stalled. So I don't think that the team that maybe were on the rise could possibly not be on the rise, so I'm pretty certain. I don't know about you boys, but I think momentum has completely stopped. But um, with the relegation, that is probably the only thing that could be in question. Lyle Taylor, as Trent said, completely disagree with what 
his antics. You know, you've got to run about your contract no matter what. They're the team that obviously he was great at Wimbledon, but Charlton are the team that sort of given him that opportunity to go for a big money move. You've got to run out your contract there. No, no questions about it. So I could see Charlton possibly slip up. Maybe Luton. I can't. Also, can't see Luton getting out. I don't think they've got enough quality or enough momentum to sort of get out of the bottom two. So that that'll be an interesting battle at the, at the bottom. But um, I can't see Leeds or West Brom slipping, and the playoffs will in large remain as they are. I think. Interesting. Interesting. If you were to make a prediction for the playoffs, say if they finished as they are now. If you had to make a prediction for the playoffs, who would you say goes up? I'm going to go to, uh, to Will first, dude. Uh, it's, so it's like the league one is so hard. But um, I, w- I would say Brentford. I think they've got a very talented team. And I think it's like their last year at their stadium. I know, obviously, the fans has kind of ruined that for them. But I feel like they'll really want to go up. And I feel like they want, they'll want it more than most clubs. I mean, obviously, every club wants it just as much. But... I think Brentford have got them probably the most quality in the playoffs. I don't know if Trent agrees with me, but sounds really biased. I'd actually back us in the playoffs, you know. Um, like for Preston, I don't feel like, well. Obviously, you said it finished now, but I think Millwall will take the final playoff place. Uh, our record against the top six is by far the best in points in terms of any club up there. We normally struggle against the top, uh, teams more closer to the bottom, and I just think obviously with some of the players that we've got back now, Thiago Silva and So were out injured before. They're coming back in. And like I said, the record that we have against Brentford's brilliant. So if we play them in the playoffs, hopefully we go through there. And then like I say, I personally predicted for a bit it'd be a, be a Forest-Fulham final. So we'll have to see if I'm right. Uh, but like I say, I've got, I've got to back my boys for it. And like I say, Wither's having a, such a good record against the top six. I'd slightly edges. <laughs> interesting, interesting. You know what? I know I said we'll have it as the playoffs are now but I'm going to completely disregard my own rules. And I'm actually going to say that Bristol City, I, I reckon they're going to do it, you know. I, I reckon they'll just edge it when they um, come back in. Because they, they've, they've got a talented team, I think. It's young, it's vibrant. Um, and I can see them really producing something when they, um, well, if they get playoffs. I don't know why I'm saying when. But if we're going off my rules, I think, I think it would be harsh not to say Fulham. I, I think Fulham, they're, they're quite a yo-yo team in the Premier League and the Championship. They're always in between. And you would say out of all the four teams in the playoffs right now, they are the standout team in terms of quality. Um, so it's interesting that we're all going for different different teams. And just quickly, like I said, not just because we're involved in them this year, I think these are probably one of the most exciting open-wide playoffs that have been in years. Like, say, Fulham have got such a good attacking front line and they've sure the defence up now have had uh, Brentford of like, like Ben Rama. And uh, like players like that, unbelievable. Obviously, first year Forest have been in there for a while. They've a lot stronger defence this season. And then, like I said, the team that come through and get sick, as you mentioned, Bristol City, I said Bill Wall, they've always got momentum for finishing sick. So, obviously, there's reasons for any team, but like I say, it's wide open completely. Yeah, it's, yeah it speaks volumes about the championship that we've all said a different team, don't you think? Yeah, it just sums up the championship. Mm. So yeah, as we mentioned, and like, I think it was the debates episode. It, it's so wide open; like nothing would surprise you. Any team near about to playoffs going up wouldn't really surprise me. It's just I can't mm. wait to watch them. Can't wait to see how it finishes. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the case for all of us. We're all just really excited. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited for the playoffs to come back as well, especially. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll move on to something a little bit outside of football now. So we've sort of touched on most leagues in the main. Um, Marcus Rashford has been in the, in the news a lot recently. 
um, for he's recently written an open letter on Twitter and uh, put it out there, uh, addressed to MPs, talking about um, having uh, free school meals for children everywhere. Now, Rashford in himself, he's quite a charitable man. He's, he's raised, you know, I think millions it is for charity already. Um, people are really giving him a lot of praise, and rightfully so. Um, I'm, I'm sure we're not going to, you know, there's not going to be a lot of room for debate here. I just thought it's, it's worth bringing up. Will, how, what do you make of this act from Marcus Rashford? Yeah, there's not much to say. He's just he's he's shown in this period that he's clearly an incredible role model. You know, the things he's done are just. It's not like people saying it's a PR move. It's just stupid. You can you can tell it comes from the heart. A PR move would just be some half-hearted. This is proper from the heart. That that letter was incredible, and I think having him and Sterling as two black footballers, you know, as role models and to represent us is fantastic. They're both. You can tell they're great humans. Nothing more to say, really. Just what a guy and a great player as well. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you agree, Trent. Yeah, it's fantastic what he's done. Like say, he's he's come out and said that he sometimes has, has struggles as a child. Didn't come from the most privileged of the families, but obviously he's built himself up to be a, a privileged player, a, a rich a young man. And like say, he's, he said in his thing, he's uh, donating. And he said he wants to use his platform to do something better. And like say, as Will said, that that letter that he sent to the government was was remarkable. And and he's done quite a lot of stuff during this lockdown, both certain things abroad, things in this country, and now they're trying to push it onto the government as well. It's, uh, he's used his time very well. And like I say, he's had a brilliant season as well. So both on and off the pitch, he's, he's a great role model. Mm, yeah. As you said earlier, um, when talking about Marcus Rashford, he's using his platform uh, to the fullest. He's really making sure that he uses it to promote good. Um, I mean, this might be a bit of a stupid question that we all know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Would you like to see more foot- footballers do the same? Use their platform to really push, um, push for good. Will? Of course, yeah, of course. It'd be it'd be great to sort of. I mean, you've seen the influence that Marcus Rashford has already had. You know, thousands of retweets, like PMs replying, all that sort of thing. If more footballers would come out and sort of say, well, not say their opinion, but just say what they should say in this sort of situation, it'd be great. Yeah, there's nothing I can say apart from hope more do it. But also, I don't want them, I don't want footballers to jump on it as sort of a PR trend, like my last point was, like sort of just doing it for their own good. I want them to do it because it's good for themselves and just the, the society and everyone. Mm, yeah, I agree. You want it to be genuine, don't you? I think, before I come to your opinion on the trend, I'm sure it's the same as mine and Will's, but... I think a lot of young children especially look up to footballers as sort of their superheroes. Um, and I think it would, in general, just be great to see a lot more footballers. Because, you know, a lot a lot of what we're used to seeing from footballers is our breaking coronavirus rules or doing this, that or whatever um, from, from the press a lot of the time, whether that's um, justified or not. Um, but recently with uh, the comings of Raheem Sterling and now it seems to be Marcus Rashford, who are two genuine people who are just fighting for what they believe in and what is actually good. I think it would benefit society in England a lot if we saw a lot more football to speak out. I'm sure you agree, uh, I'm sure you agree Trent. Yeah, it's, it's annoying because a lot of the stories you do see in the papers from the press, you know, that, that it's more of them hounding footballers instead of pushing out what they've done good. And, you know, as a football fan, I'm sure it's the same as you two. Like, I, I compared a lot of certain situations to what other footballers did. And like I say, it's, it's poor to see like the press always hound them for bad things. So if you can get more media out there and doing good charitable things, it's great. But to echo Will's points um, about, uh, sorry, yeah, to echo the points, I wouldn't want it to be a, a PR stunt. It'd be good to be from the heart or something that they feel strongly about. 
Um, so, so there's a bit of emotion behind it instead of it just being donated here or send this there. Like, it'd be nice to, for them to be something that meant, meant something to them. Yeah, yeah. Got it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, think, I think it's been quite a starry episode from me as well. You're all right. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I think um, the podcast is coming to... How, what sort of minute are we on now, Will? In terms of uh, it, says, it, says, it says one hour and ten, but that was also when we started the call. So Yeah, true. I think, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up now. Um, but before we wrap it up, uh, we talked a lot about fantasy football last week um, and obviously what Will and Trent both have on the line massively. Um, so I thought, instead of doing a quiz, because you know for a while we've been looking for something we can do at the end of the podcast now, I thought when football's on, why not do a little fantasy football review on what our teams are saying and you know for the upcoming fixtures. So Trent, I'm going to come to you first as somebody who's only eight points ahead of Will and only eight points ahead of a Derby shirt on a night out. What's your team looking like? <sighs> All right, so in my team, uh, I'll just quickly turn it round there. As we say, I've got uh, Dean Henderson in goal. Uh, I've gone for John, John Lundstrom in defence. So, so we're looking at the double game weeks. Uh, Alexander-Arnold and Gomez, Liverpool part, uh, partnership. Uh, Matt Doherty for Wolves. Uh, Adama Traore, I'm hoping he can rediscover his form from before. Jack Grealish and De Bruyne in the centre, double game weeks again. Uh, Mane, it was either between him or Salah, I went for Mane. Uh, Aubameyang captain up front, I might have to change that, I'm not too sure. And then Jimenez, and then I've just gone for a really cheap bench in, in Button, Johnson, and Ketia and Skip. Nice. Will, what's, what's your team's count back? Um, well, if I'm being honest, uh, you know, you told us before this pod that we were doing um, showed our fantasy teams. I haven't actually changed my one bit. I haven't actually thought about it. I think I just put it in some sort of memory in my brain that I didn't want to go back to. But um, I, I've noticed that Ricardo Pereira is injured and I have got him. So that needs to change straight after this. But I've got a, quite a similar team to Trent, actually. I've got Henderson in goal. Sunku, that Leicester. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but Leicester. And then Lundstrom, Alexander-Arnold, Pereira, which will change. De Bruyne, Salah, Bruno Fernandes, who I brought in in his good form. Grealish, Calvert-Lewin and Jimenez. Okay. Uh, Calvert Lewin's not a bad shout for them, isn't he? I, I, I don't yeah, no, he scored a few, he's kind of gone on the radar a little bit. He scored a few goals this season, hopefully mm. picks it up. But I'm going to change a few of them. So next week, my team might be a little bit different. You, you know what? It's interesting you say Jimenez because throughout the whole season, I think he's one of the only players I haven't transferred out until yeah. now. Because I thought, why not try and get a, a bit of big money player in? Um, so I've actually gone for a very similar team. I don't know if you can see it there. I'll, I'll, I'll read it out now. So I've got Dean Henderson in goal. I think we all do. Cheap keeper. Great, Brilliant. great player. Um, Alexander-Arnold, Serge Aurier, John Lundstrom and Charlie Taylor from Burnley at the back. Now, Charlie Taylor, really cheap player, but he seems to start most games for Burnley and whenever they get a clean sheet, which is fairly often, um, that, that's an extra however many points, four points. My midfield is naughty, I'll be honest, all right? I've got Mane, Traore, De Bruyne, Salah and Mason Mount all, all in the five. And then up Solid. front, I've got Pierre, Emmerich, Aubameyang. So, Solid team. 4-5-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah 4-5-1. I thought the midfielders, when they score, they get the most points. Well, apart from the Burnley score. No. And yeah, I've also gone for a really cheap bench. Nobody of note on there. So it'll be interesting to see how the table moves in our table. If anyone wants reminding, I am first. And uh, Trent's second and Will's third. Um, and on his way to wearing an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, I need, to, I need to change a few things because you touched on Charlie Taylor. I was doing a piece on five fancy players you should get. I don't know why I'm writing that piece, to be honest, in the state, <laughs> state of my points this year. But um, I looked up uh, Nick Pope and like looked at Bernie's defensive record and dug deeper into it. Bernie's defensive season has been incredible. Mm. They've got the second most clean sheets in the league. I didn't know it was that high. And Nick Pope has got the most points for a keeper. 
in the fancy Premier League. He's got the most clean sheets in the in the league this season as well. Exactly, think, yeah. So you, as an individual keeper. So you, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I'm telling you boys this now, but I think Bernie <laughs> should be the. T- I might focus on some Bernie defenders. Yeah, Important maybe. to note as well. I've got no more chips left uh, till the end of the season. No more uh, game chips as such as oh, like bench boost. My triple, like so. triple captain absolutely flopped. I think it was Mane at home to some team and he didn't score a goal. Or he just got an assist, maybe. So I think that's a big reason why I'm still training. Mm. I, I actually just used my final one for this week. I used bench boost. Uh, but none of my players play. But I thought if Nketiah starts, he's, he's got a double double game at some point. Yeah. So hopefully he might play at some point. But yeah, um, we'll end it there. End it on the Fantasy Football Review. Um, I hope, hope you enjoyed that. Let us know in the comments if you like the Fantasy Football thing. If not, we'll scrap it. Because obviously we like talking about it. But at the end of the day, it's the listeners we're trying to cater to, not ourselves. Um, as always, um, you can go on our social medias. Our Twitter is at Alvi92. The YouTube and the Spotify is Alvi on the 92. And our email is Alvi on the 92 at gmail.com. Episodes every single Tuesday. Um, we've been consistent so far and we hope to keep it up. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thank you for listening and goodbye.